Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog in the trees of a town called The Fort. A town like this one is built on a history of secrets, histories both to learn and that of events yet to unfold which will not be spoken about in the years to come. Listener discretion is advised. street of the fort. Unable to shrug off the rains of the wetter months was a muddy soup. Townsfolk slid across it from sidewalk to sidewalk, doing their best to stay upright as they daintily kept their weight rested precariously in the centers of their feet, doing their best to plant themselves firmly on the wooden slats of the boardwalk opposite them. That is, when townsfolk were about, perhaps on a Saturday, when the week's work was done, when they could rise early in the morning and accomplish their day's task without the threat of early sunsets and long nights pressing in on them. The fort was not a thriving metropolis. There was no flood of persons emigrating to the town to seek their fortunes. Those who lived in the fort had lived there the entirety of their lives and their parents before them and before them and before them. Occasionally, someone drifted from out of town, coming down the river by boat, saddling up to the dock, and had simply never left after. But there was always a tie to the fort. An uncle or an aunt who remained while their parents had fled and never spoke of the places they'd been born, where their family's histories were, and those who came to town were just sheep who'd separated from the herd, only for their progenies to return. And they were always welcome. Old blood was always welcome. But that didn't stop the stories from sprouting here and there as they drifted back into the town boundaries. And so rare was it that they were named forever branded as creepers. Creepers for no other reason than they silently crept back into the fort. Old blood was always welcome. But old blood or not, the townsfolk would never be denied the fun of the cascading ripples of whispers through town that followed their arrival. The late Mark Lapont, father of Ben, Tom, and Peggy, husband to Mildred, 
he had been a creeper, the prodigal son of Fort Royalty, the LaPont family. Rich off abundant resources, owners of LaPont lumber, manufacturers of lumber, as well as the acrid smoke that the mills dotted up and down the Fraser River chugged and spewed and responsible for more than a few lost fingers and limbs, burns and broken men. Mark had left the fort, which in and of itself was no small feat. But money, money had bought his passage, ported and charted all the way to a school of higher learning where a person could learn and grow and hopefully find a calling for grandiose purpose to benefit the world and those in it. It had been at his father's behest that he was sent away. Mark wanted to stay, wanted to run the mills, but Mark had gotten into what folks called trouble of a sort that isn't to be discussed. So it wasn't discussed why Mark had left, only that he'd left his sweetheart Mildred behind. Yet another reason, and a long list of excuses as to why folks didn't exactly like the young man. But everyone liked Mildred. She was plain, but kind, and despite her mother no less, who was known to be troublesome, plain and kind and gentle and all the boys in town admired her demeanor and her hair and the way she walked and well being plain didn't stop mildred from breaking a long string of young hearts when she proclaimed her love for the future heir of lapont lumber when the news broke everyone knew it wasn't just mark's arrogance and childish bravado that she wanted to spend the rest of her life in the company of it was also the comfort in which her company could be kept. That didn't make her a bad person. Because for Mildred, growing up poor was painful and that was okay by most folks because most folks had known the pain of hunger and the pain of hunger is something worth forgiving a person's faults over. When Mark returned, after the unexpected passing of his father... He returned without any paper, attesting to his great deeds of academia and a host of excuses for that. For his troubles and his travels, he was awarded the notoriety of being a creeper. Hearing it firsthand and for the first time was a blow to his pride. He thought it made him sound like some old pervert, and he'd always prized himself handsome and desirable, but everyone had moved on and forgotten Mark, and now he was simply the creeper. The creeper who'd spent time away in the wide world beyond the woods and fields of the fort and oh, the terrible deeds he'd done, the children would say as they skipped past him on the street, only giggling and running once they had passed him fully. Desperate to regain his sense of importance, he was only too eager to take up the family business. If only he'd been oblivious to the laughter and chatter of neighbors and their children. If only he'd been content to ride the coattails of his father's fortune, maybe he wouldn't have squandered it so quickly. The shame of being a creeper and losing that fortune, that long-acquired fortune after many generations of LaPonts who had only seen success, drove him to a run-down home on the edge of the fort. Outside the comforts of the LaPont Manor up on the hill, outside even the comforts of the more tightly knit and neat homes closer to the town center, and out to where the farmland was barely good enough to grow grass. The distance of Mark's new home for himself and his blushing bride and their growing family was petty. 
His ego had convinced him by doing so, by separating himself, he was punishing the fort, when in actuality, he was punishing himself, but more importantly, his wife. He should have known better. Mark should have stopped to think. The distance, the isolation, it only served to grow the gossip in bounds. Mark was no longer useless. Mark was no longer the unimpressive son of a great man, a disappointing novelty. Childishly abstaining from the social life in town, Mark was not present, let alone aware that the grumblings had begun to point blame where blame was in fact due. When the business of running LaPont Lumber had proved too much for Mark, his only thought was that of his own personal loss. Not once did the responsibility of employing an overwhelming portion of the working men in the fort strike him. Over resentful libations, the old LaPont lumber foremans would rouse their underlings in cathartic cursing, ruining the name LaPont, attesting to the selfishness of Mark and planning a revenge that would never come. But despite their pains and their anger, they were good people. Reverend Albert had gone missing, but he wasn't lost, having seen what it was that had been shown to him beyond his own consciousness in a place that was very much belonging to others. He knew his life was no longer his own. Reverend Albert sat hunched over, barely conscious, knowing only that he owed his existence to the service of a greater calling. He'd seen it the patches of the quilt work that had been stitched together over generations, the intertwining of people and places. He'd been shown the pathway from head to toe, all the plots and particulars of the road the fort was built upon, the road that would lead all those who followed it to ruin, and that road led straight to a vast darkness known only to him as Adam. What Adam was remained a mystery, but the darkness perpetuated by the entity was everywhere, touching everything and clung to everyone like tar. He himself was drenched in it, covered head to toe in it, marinated and soaked through with it. It had tainted every angle and aspect of his life, whether he knew it or not. The truth was abstract and had been shown to him in swaths of color and pictures made of billowing smoke signs and crackling sounds, but one word and one image was spoken true and loud and clear as cold water against his tired face. Peggy. The stores, the streets, the woods and the trees therein, the houses, the people, the river, the fields, a dry rot ran through the core of it all had hollowed it all out from the center while leaving the faces of it all untouched and unnoticed, but he knew it now to be true. A burden had been lifted off Reverend Albert's back, both figuratively and metaphorically. That burden had become a blessing of flesh, but ironically, 
exercising those bits of him which belonged in part to others had made him much less himself. There was a hollow empty feeling where the repetitious voice had been, a voice which lay silent. There had been a squirming, a restlessness where his heart had been as the gift given to him by the thing known to him only as the man in the cave wriggled about pent up and wanting freedom for so long and it too was dormant and unmoving. The silence inside of him was unsettling. It had been an anchor for so long that without it, Reverend Albert felt adrift but for the mandate he'd been given by greater beings than himself. That darkness that infected the land must be denied Peggy. And there was only one way to ensure that would happen. Rusty had been a foreman at LaPont Lumber, one of many at the peak of production along the Fraser River. He'd been responsible for production, but also the safety and happiness of his crew. He'd never belonged to a union. There had never been a need. The LaPonts had always done right by them. Charles LaPont had always done right by them. But when Charles had gone missing, presumed dead, that left only his son Mark in charge and Mark insisted on sticking his nose where he had no business sticking it. When the mills closed, Rusty was the first to defend what remained of the fort's first family, the LaPonts. He'd wasted his time, quelling his subordinates, telling them it would be all right, lying to them. In truth, he assumed the mill would reopen, that Mark would find a way to keep the legacy of his family alive. If the LaPonts could no longer drive employment in the fort, then he and everyone else who wanted to work would. Rusty was the first to try and piece together enough money to buy one of the mills back, owned by the workers and for the workers. When all his inquiries were left unanswered, and the pot of gold he thought he would be able to rummage together remained empty, his frustration blossomed and he was left with a heart of thorny bramble resentment and resignation. He'd done many things in those dark days, mainly to get by, but dark deeds are usually followed by libation, and when the liquor was flowing in excess, drenching every pore of his soul, that's when those things in his life he was most ashamed of happened. When he drank, he was someone different, someone of fire and chaos a tinderbox next to a roaring inferno. Thankfully, Reverend Albert had been there, there to listen, to support him, to help him kick his drinking, and come back to his family to make amends for the trouble he caused them. He told Reverend Albert everything, bared his soul in a way, articulated his pain in a way he didn't know he was capable of. When Reverend Albert looked him in the eyes, truly looked him in the eyes, showing the concern and consideration and empathy in that gentle furrowing of his brow. It just made it easy. Easy to let go. 
to begin to forgive himself and find the language he needed to explain to Reverend Albert. But more importantly, himself, why it was that he drank, why it was that he was so burnt up inside, why it was that his guts had turned to charcoal and his life was not but embers. He was thankful for Reverend Albert. Rusty was never a religious man, but he found strength in those Sunday sermons after that. There was wisdom in those sermons. Wisdom to perpetuate his resolve forward. To help him simply carry on living. The mud and muck covered everything his hands, his feet, his tattered clothes, and the ragged bed sheet he'd swiped along the way to cover his back. The salt and iodine soaked rags and gauze half hung out the gaping holes in his back, and the rain which fell soaked into the sheet and ripped remains of his clothes, dotting the tearing pain with needles of respite from the discomfort. Reverend Talbot needed to carry on, just a while longer before he could rest. There was a task at hand, one which had been passed to him by something he could only describe to himself as divine and omnipotent. Divinity, which he would die for, a force for good and knowing and truth and it had spoken to him, and it had given him a mandate. Keep Peggy from the darkness. The Reverend couldn't help but to ruminate on his childhood so long ago when first he decided his path in life while he lay immobile and broken. That dream seems so clear now. What at the time had been so obtuse and muddied. All the pieces of it, ripped from different ages of his life. The church, his home and station, vulnerable and easily broken. The storm and darkness, the tearing of the sky and the pounding of the ground with fists of lightning and himself free and uncontained by the wood of the cross and the walls of his temple to raise the alarms before all would be destroyed. All to end with himself being ripped from the world. The ending of the dream he'd not yet witnessed, but he felt it was inevitable. There was a storm coming, and surely it would take him. But before the fort would be consumed, he would have his say. He would leave his mark. The Reverend wouldn't be able to complete his task alone. No, 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 no. His body was far too weak, his breath was short, and his days were coming to an end. He felt it deep inside him. But he'd given a piece of himself time and time again and multiplied the whispers of a hundred townsfolk who'd selfishly imparted their sins upon him looking to absolve themselves in a world where only the consequence of their actions mattered. And now that those sins had grown and cultivated inside him and been spread like seeds across the town, they would spread 
their whispers into the ears of those who conceived them on behalf of the father who had birthed them. Reverend Albert, father of whispers, sang his song softly into the sounds of pattering rain. That would be enough. Rusty slept soundly, curled up window slightly ajar. He stayed warm under a moth-eaten blanket as old as he, despite the cold wind liberally swirling about his bedroom. God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. I deserve one. I deserve it. Just one. I... I don't need more. Just one... Just one drink will quench my thirst. If only those little pots hadn't ruined everything, ruined their business, ruined the town, ruined my life. Just one drink, and then I'll have a clear head. Just one drink. Rusty woke. It was still dark. He felt rested and refreshed, but there was a tightness in his chest, a dry itch in his throat, and a nagging, incessant thought in his mind that the fort would be better off if the LaPonts never existed. Just one drink, he thought to himself. Just one drink. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build the mausoleum for the ones who will never die. In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers, or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. I got the ghost of you inside of my-